This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's great to be here with all of you. Just a few quick notes before we get started. Um, don't forget to stay with us during our breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women leaders bringing news and education from their industries and their companies. We continue to be grateful for their sponsorship of Women to Watch and all the wisdom and insights that they bring to the show each week. And as we continue to expand into new markets, we're always looking for additional corporate partners. So if you're interested in learning more, feel free to email taylor at womentowatch.net. And don't forget as well to download the podcast each week to never miss an interview and be sure to sign up for our newsletter, all of which can be done at womentowatch.net. So now I'm very honored and excited to welcome to the show Nina Tandon. Nina is the CEO and co-founder of EpiBone. Nina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sue. I'm very excited. I, I so much enjoyed all of my research and digging into your life story and the work that you're doing, and it's so fascinating to me. Um, so I hope I will be articulate in my questions of all of the very um, high-tech medical work that you do. Um, but 
As I always do, I want to start with your upbringing and background and share with our listeners a little bit about where you came from. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about the community you grew up in in New York. Well, that's funny you should ask. I, I actually live in the same zip code where I grew up, which is uh, 10044 Roosevelt Island. Wow. And, um, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of an interesting community because it's it's a small, tightly knit community. Um, a lot of people like my parents moved here 40 years ago, started families, and now the cohort that I'm a part of is who grew up there and now has families of our own are wow. living either nearby or in the same neighborhood. And so there are a lot of grandparents and, you know, people my age and little kids that are all kind of, you know, part of the same really tight knit community. And I don't know a lot of playful places in uh, the United States, let alone New York City, that can say they really have a multi-generational, multicultural community. Right. And not only that is your... Um your headquarters, actually, Epibone itself, is is there in Harlem? Roosevelt Island. Our, our headquarters okay. is in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. So, wow, you've really had quite um, a lot of experience there and still there. That's not usually the case. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I love how you describe yourself growing up. And I know that as a family, you know, science was introduced mm -hmm. um, to you as children from the very beginning. And I think, uh, you know, a very important part of your story is that um, your siblings, two of your sisters, were born colorblind. And you have a brother who um, is described as night blind. I'm not sure how much that has progressed mm -hmm. for him. Yeah, I mean, it was, I guess I was about you know, six or seven or so when we realized, you know, my, we were playing in the playground and my, my brother fell out of the, the playground equipment because it was night, night, you know, dusk and um, he, he really just couldn't see. And I think this is when my mother pieced together, my goodness, my mother's night blind too, and, and took us to the ophthalmologist to get tested. And um, we kind of discovered through this process that my brother had inherited uh, a mutation that was that re basically was a degeneration of the retina and um, starting with night blindness and, and progressing um, through tunnel vision and, um, and affects his day vision as well. We're lucky that it's been really slow progressing, um, but it's something that is not currently reversible. Of course, we're watching clinical trials now. Um, and uh, my two sisters in the process of this, we discovered were actually colorblind. And so there I was, one out of four kids, um, realizing that every one of my siblings saw the world in a really profoundly different way. Um, mm. But but due to, you know, mutations uh, on our DNA. And I think that was, you know, my our ophthalmologist um, said to us, well, there's a team at MIT that's working on this. So I have no doubt that in your lifetime, this will be solved. And, and I sort of, a plant was seeded, you know, for me. Wow. And um, and I made it my mission to, to go to MIT. And um, I ended up, that's really where I started uh, on my scientific path myself in earnest. Um, I, I didn't end up following that project. I did my first rotation with them, but I fell in love with biomedical research as part of that. Yeah, you know, you have such an incredible educational background. You know, I want to actually read it. You have a bachelor's in electrical engineering from Cooper Union, mm -hmm. a master's in bioelectrical engineering from MIT, a PhD in biomedical engineering, and an MBA from Columbia University. Um, are there any degrees left for you <laughs> to attain? The thing about science is that, you know, if you want to get a job doing basic research, 
the path for doing that is getting getting a job in academia and so you end up collecting these degrees along the way when really you're you know studying and um, and and building your career so it's it's almost accidental that those those come along the way but you know I have to say a PhD is a beautiful wonderful experience for someone who you know like myself who really is curious about the world and loves to you know get my hands dirty and experiment with stuff and uh, that kind of self-directed research and the ups and downs that come along with it I, I think were pretty formative in my life but you know I felt a bit like I felt like it was more like a job than um, than studies uh, but but certainly yeah you end up with these intimidating sounding degrees at the end of it um, there you have it but well no it's indeed for me yeah <laughs> Well, it's 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 really impressive. And of course, on, on this show, we talk all the time about, you know, how can we encourage more girls and uh, and women to go into the STEM field? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's I think one of the things that we need to do more is talk about the creativity behind it. Yeah. And you seem to be someone who embraces that part of science. I loved it, you know, and I sure I, I loved my dose of theory like anyone else. But I think what I what I loved most about engineering was that you were building stuff and that you could build things with trial and error. And as a little kid, I loved building things with Legos and taking things apart too. And and I don't think those are necessarily gender based activities. I um, you know, and, and so yeah, I see all these women that have all the qualities that are required for being a great scientist kind of self-select themselves out because maybe they had a teacher who um, in school, you know, just wasn't able to convey certain concepts well enough or, or teach it the way they could learn it. And, um, and so we end up getting all, you know, missing all this talent, you know, and that's the part that really gets me riled up because yeah. there's so much talent out there that is, um, you know, in some ways untapped, at least in that arena. You know, women are using their talents in many ways. I would love to see more of them, uh, you know, use their talents in, in, in science and technology as well. And, you, you know, with women like you speaking out about that, I think we will. Tell me about your mom and dad. What was their influence in, in the career path that you took? And, you know, I'm assuming they supported your, your interests in science. I love that picture you share of being a little kid with your, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That posting, I was like, oh yeah, that was a happy day. Um, <laughs> my first chemistry set, I was so excited about, you know, uh, lighting things on fire. They don't sell toy anymore. Um, and um, you know, my dad's an engineer. My mother's father was an engineer. My um, mother's mother's father was an engineer building the railroads in Iowa. And my on my father's side, his father and grandfather were also engineers. And so, you know, and and, and wow. engineering 150 years ago was about all of these infrastructure projects. So my great grandfather in India was working on the canals, while my other great grandfather in America was working on the railroads and. Um, and then by the time my father's cohort came along, there was a lot of um, work being done on pipelines and oil pipelines and, and figuring out how to how to move energy around. And um, and now I think in my cohort, in, in my siblings, they're all four of us are engineers and um, three of them have gone into renewable energy slash climate change and research and myself, wow. I'm in biomedical sciences. So and I, I just I love 
the evolution of engineering because it really is applied science. As we learn more about science, we try and figure out, well, how do we use this to solve real world problems? And so I think it's just almost a sign of the times when, um, you know, that a lot of the, just the most interesting developments science-wise are, are coming from looking inside the human body and, um, and thinking about the earth. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that in the next segment. We have to go into our first break. Stay with us, and we will welcome back Nina Tandon, again, the co-founder and CEO of EpiBone. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. It's World Breastfeeding Week. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, our guests included Dr. Katie Dorishow and lactation consultant Sue Beckhold from Mainline Health. Hear the show on yourradiodoctor.net. Human milk, a living biologic substance with key nutrients, but also contains living cells, growth factors, and antibodies that help with baby's immunity. Breast or chest feeding offers short and long-term health and developmental benefits for children and their nursing parents. Once baby is born, skin-to-skin contact is essential to begin the mother-infant bond. It's soothing, reduces crying, raises blood glucose. It also stimulates development of the GI tract and the microbiome, which then decrease risk of infectious diarrhea and increases good digestion. While nursing, baby has a lower risk of diarrhea, ear infection, pneumonia, even sudden infant death syndrome. It also improves hearing and vision in premature infants. Long after nursing, the growing child has lower risk for obesity, ear infection, type 1 and type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, celiac, inflammatory bowel disease, even cavities. For mothers, uterus returns to normal size sooner with less blood loss. There's also a delay in return to ovulation, but it's not a guaranteed form of birth control. Long-term, decreases risk for breast, ovarian, and uterine cancer, as well as type 2 diabetes. Moms often worry that baby isn't getting enough milk. Breast size does not matter. Good feeding routines and good latch technique do matter. A new baby should nurse with every cue, turning his head, sucking on fingers, opening his mouth. This could be 8 to 12 times in 24 hours, 7 to 9 times by age 4 weeks. Healthy infants typically lose weight in the first 3 to 5 days, then back to birth weight by 2 to 3 weeks. You should see 6 to 8 wet diapers a day, 2 to 3 pale yellow seedy stools per day. Breastfeeding should not be painful. Call your doctor. See a lactation consultant. Often, a simple change of technique eliminates the problem. Congratulations to all our new moms. Now, the women to watch. Military Watch. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. August 7th is National Purple Heart Day. The Purple Heart Medal is presented to service members who have been wounded or killed as a result of enemy action while serving in the U.S. military. A Purple Heart is a solemn distinction and means a service member has greatly sacrificed themselves or even paid the ultimate price while in the line of duty. Initially established by George Washington during the American Revolution as what was called the Badge of Military Merit, the current design was created in 1932 by Army Specialist Elizabeth Will. The medal is heart-shaped with a gold border. Within the heart is the profile of General George Washington. It's believed that purple was chosen because the color represents courage and bravery. 
What makes the medal unique is that it doesn't represent an achievement. It acknowledges sacrifice. But an important point to remember is that all who wear the cloth of the nation are willing to sacrifice their life for their country. President John F. Kennedy is the only U.S. president to receive the Purple Heart. Kennedy, who served in the Navy during World War II, injured his back when a Japanese destroyer collided with his patrol torpedo boat near the Solomon Islands. As his boat sank, Kennedy refused to let his injury stop him from towing a badly burned crew member to safety. Kennedy swam with the man's life jacket strap clenched between his teeth for three miles before reaching an island and bringing the man safely to shore. I received a Purple Heart after sustaining wounds in Iraq from an improvised explosive device that tore through the vehicle I was in. This weekend, I will remember my teammates who also suffered injuries that day. Many military members call that day your alive day, the day you could have lost your life but didn't. I now see it more as my gratitude day, the day I realized everything we have to be grateful for. This country, our communities, our families, and the awe-inspiring nature that surrounds us. So to learn more about how you can recognize and help these heroes, go to purpleheart.org. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined today by Nina Tandon, and Nina is the CEO and co-founder of EpiBone, which is the world's largest, well, not the largest, the world's first company growing living human bones from skeletal reconstruction. It's very cool stuff. So basically rebuilding bone uh, from people's own stem cells. Yeah. And yeah, I wonder if you, you know, for the listeners um, who, who don't quite understand what that means in the simplest of terms, can you describe what you do? Sure. I mean, very, very simply speaking, each of us began our human existence as one cell you know, one cell big. And somehow that one cell divided into two, four, eight, those cells, those stem cells started differentiating and became all of the trillions of human cells that comprise our bodies. So, you know, our bodies are made of cells and our bodies are also maintained by certain specialized cells called stem cells that live in our adult bodies. You can find stem cells all over the body. Um, the stem cells that we use to grow bone and cartilage come from two different sources. We take stem cells out of fat tissue, so a small lipoaspirate, um, small liposuction. We can extract the stem cells out of it. About 1% of those cells are stem cells and we can grow them in, and, and coax them into making new tissues like bone, cartilage, and, and hopefully down the line, um, tissues like, like ligaments and tendons as well. Wow. You know, two areas I specifically wanted to ask you about are osteoporosis mm -hmm. and whether um, the work that you're doing is or will be used in dentistry. My husband's a dentist, and when I told him who I was interviewing, he said to, to ask her about that. Yeah, well, I, I think your husband might be, um, you know, more satisfied with the answer than you. You know, osteoporosis is a disease of bones um, where our body, for, for reasons that are still largely um, being figured out, um, 
degenerates that bone. It's, it's sort of an overactivity of the cells that break down our, our bones every day. And, and so, you know, as, a, as the first kind of indications that we're going after, we want to start with people who have relatively healthy skeletons that may have been injured due to injury um, or, or, or trauma or even congenital defects. Now, dentistry is something where, um, you know, our first clinical trial is actually for bone reconstruction of the jaw. And um, there's a, a, a lot of the surgeons that do work on those types of um, surgeries are dental surgeons. So actually, you know, I think there's a there's a much nearer term application for us there. And in fact, um, you know, we're working with dental surgeons on our first clinical trial. Wow, that's really exciting. And when did you start the company? It has not been that long. It's- well, I mean, in some ways it's been, you know, we incorporated in 2014. And, okay. Well, it was 2013, actually, and we got our first funding in 2014, so it is almost seven years. Um, and we spent quite a bit of time doing animal studies. We've only implanted our first human patient this summer. So in many ways, it's like wow. we're starting, we're brand new all over again now as a clinical stage company. Um, but this absolutely has, you know, been my life's work um, in academia now at the company. But even in this chapter now, it's the years are starting to add up. Yeah. 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 Well, you seem awfully, I mean, <laughs> you've accomplished so much, at, at, I think, at such a young age. And I watched several of your, your TED Talks. And what I think is really so remarkable about, remarkable about you is the knowledge that you have um, and your ability to communicate it, I would say, in, in, in the simplest of terms and, and make analogies about what it is. And you're, you're builders, you know, and, and it seems as though your entire family was, were builders. Do you see yourself staying in this particular niche for your career, or do you see it going in different directions? Oh, well, I mean, I certainly have dreams of an expanded vision, you know, but it, you have to put one foot in front of the other. And I think there's being able to prove yourself is what being able to take on something bigger, I think, is you have to kind of prove yourself by, by building up to it. And um, I don't see myself as the kind of person that's, you know, and clearly my history would, would say this, that say this is true. I, you know, there's some people that want to spin out a company every year and, you know, mm-hmm. get involved with starting a company, hop and do the next one, almost like flipping houses. And um, that's just not my gig. You know, I the reason why I'm here is and I really feel that I'm here on this earth is to um, being be a driving force for healing. And, and this work is something that just has a really long timeline. And there's something that's really appealing to me about that. Certainly, I'm impatient to get our first products approved. Right. But it's, it's not the kind of journey where you say, oh, yeah, I know I'm done when I get to that point because science is always uncovering new knowledge and, and making new possibilities tangible. So mm. I... I, I definitely see myself, you know, seven years ago starting the company, I was hoping we would be in patients by now. We are. Once you start implanting patients, then you think about products and then you can start to build and say, well, what else can we heal besides bone and cartilage? And I just don't see that journey ever kind of getting boring. If yes. You know. No, I don't either. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, getting investments and, mm-hmm. and fundraising is is such a um, overwhelming task. Talk, talk yeah. about that a little bit and how, how you approached it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, you know, because women still are only getting about 2% of venture capital. So, you know, if you look at the statistics, it's easy to kind of get daunted right out of the gate. And um, and I think for scientist entrepreneurs like myself, a lot of us come out of academic institutions where you're used to writing grants. And I think one thing that was good for us was that and a lot of difficult deep tech technologies is that there's possibility for government grants to get your first funding. And this is something that I think, you know, especially for um, for people who are daunted by the idea of fundraising, having an application process that's a lot like applying to college um, to get funding is um, a good first step because there's a bit of a chicken and egg problem that I think comes to get, come, you know, ha you find yourself in the middle of when you're doing your first fundraising, which is that it's easy to fundraise once people have a little bit of FOMO, you know, fear of being left out because you, you kind of need to have raised a little bit money of money to get other people interested. But then how do you get that first seed capital? And, and one of the things that's great about grants is that they're very, they're peer reviewed, very difficult to get and, and sort of serve as a business de-risking that then other people feel more comfortable following on. And then once you get investors and inve good people always lead you to good people. And, um, and then you can start to kind of take it from there. And we've got wonderful angel investors. I mean, if since we're talking about women, I should I should certainly give a shout out to Plum Alley, which is founded by women, um, fund women and gender balance teams, as well as Rain Ventures. Both of them I've met through uh, Columbia Business School and um, very proud to be part of their portfolios. That's wonderful and great, great advice. Um, we're going to go into our next break and we'll be back with Nina Tandon. Stay with us for... This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Our watch team. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. 
For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to trylifemd.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I am Cheryl Mackey, Lead of Financial Empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Research continually suggests that higher education offers a wide range of benefits for individuals, such as higher earnings, lower likelihood of unemployment, improvements in health, and greater civic engagement. When an individual graduates from college, their lifetime earnings double and the way is paved for future generations of their families to pursue the path to and through college. Daniel Lurie says, founder and CEO of Tipping Point Community, as the first person in my family to receive both a post-secondary and advanced degree, I can attest to the doors that open for my family. Currently, I have three family members in education, a retired firefighter, a nurse, an attorney, three nephews, and a son who are enrolled in post-secondary education. Even my mother returned to school later in life. While the cost of college increases yearly, in the 2020-2021 academic year, most colleges and universities have refrained from increasing tuition costs to meet the economic needs of families during the pandemic. However, college expenses are still more than most low to moderate income families can afford. The College Savings Account Program through our Community Partner Utility Emergency Services Fund, or UESF, help low to moderate income high school seniors, college freshmen, and sophomores in the greater Philadelphia and southern New Jersey region with incentive saving matches that can build their assets and attain greater self-sufficiency. Students with dedicated college savings of $500 or less are three times more likely to attend college and four times more likely to graduate from college than those without savings. The Lubert CSA programs will afford recent high school graduates as well as those who have enrolled an opportunity to reach their goal of attaining a four-year degree. For more information, please contact Sarita Stanley at saritastanley at uesfacts.org or go to their website, www.uesfacts.org. I'm Cheryl Mackey. Thanks for listening. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net. N-E-T. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I am so fortunate to have with me today Nina Tandon, the CEO and co-founder of EpiBone. Um, one of the questions I had for you, Nina, and this is kind of off topic, but not really. When, when I was reading about your description of the fact that we all um, at one time were a single cell, mm-hmm. 
the first question that popped into my head was what your own beliefs are, I guess, about are we actually spiritual beings within the human body? And, and what, you know, just with your science knowledge and background, I wonder what you think about that. That's so odd that you would ask me that question, but I, I think about that quite a bit, actually. You know, what is the source of consciousness if our cells themselves exhibit at least some key parameters of consciousness, like processing information, making decisions? Um, you know, if, if our consciousness is somehow layered on top of the activity of these trillions of cells and we are human beings that are billions of us living on this planet, uh, is there a consciousness that we collectively create together? Um, those, those almost those are almost spiritual questions and I think the I, I it's an open question for me um, but I, I do believe that cells have um, at least some of the key ingredients of consciousness and I I do believe in um, our contributions as individuals to a larger consciousness than our own do those do those ideas take the form of what I was trained in my Catholic school as a kid not exactly but I think there's um, real beauty to a lot of the world's religions in terms of the way they recognize spirit that mm. um, I think that the scientific community hopefully in the next hundred years or so will will uh, not be so afraid of. Yeah. Oh, I love how you say that. You know, it's 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 really something for a whole separate entire yeah. show to talk about. Um, and it's fascinating. And there's there's so many questions, you know, left to be answered yeah. um, regarding okay. that. Yeah. Well, something else I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you you taught at a science camp in Massachusetts. Oh my gosh, that was a long time yeah. ago in Lynn. Yeah. Yes. Um, and oh. my question for you is, what did you learn from those children? They were underprivileged children, and I'm guessing oh, you learned a lot. I loved them. I loved them because you know this was like ten years ago, and there was there were these. They were just these genius kids that were so much fun and so rambunctious. And there was one little boy who said, I want to go to Harvard. I want to go to Harvard. He was eight years old. And, oh. um, you know, we I found out from my, so it was one of my really dear friends who, who taught this summer camp with me. She brought me in. She designed the whole curriculum. I just basically helped. And she told me that that kid ended up at Harvard. You oh, know, wow. I was, wow. We were isolating DNA from strawberries and bananas. And, you know, we took <laughs> we, we did a little crime scene where we under we started talking about things like forensic evidence and what some of the potential pitfalls could be. Um, we swabbed DNA off of, you know, the drinking fountains and dogs mouths. And 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 really, they were so capable at as little kids of um of understanding and comprehending complex topics like like the role of DNA evidence in forensic trials because they had worked with their hands and, and seen what the process was for isolating DNA. They could understand, well, what if samples got switched? What if I made a mistake? You know, they really could understand what some of these ethical questions um, that, that are, are, are really important for us as a society to, to work out. They were able to grasp such complex topics, I think, because they were working with their hands. I was so, wow. I, I was so proud of them. Yeah. yeah, boys and girls, right? Boys and girls. Yeah. Boys and girls. Um, I want to share a quote. You said, I am passionate about science education for young girls in developing countries yeah. and stewardship of our bodies and the environment. 
And my question is, if I, the why of that, why do you think that's so important? Well, I, I think I think life is precious. And if we're given the gift of life, you know, if you're given any gift, it's it's not nice to return to sender or, you know, re-gift or throw it out. I think it's it's it comes with a responsibility to care um, for that. And um, none of our lives exist in a vacuum. Uh, you know, you were asking me about spirituality. <laughs> you know, we have we have trillions of bacterial cells who call our bodies home. Our body is their entire universe. I, I like to think that maybe, you know, I'm a microbe in the gut of some angel, you know, and if, if my, if I've been given life, um, I think it's my job to honor it and, um, honor my own life and honor the lives of others. And, and those others can be human. Uh, they can be they can be plants. They can be animals. They can be um, you know animals and plants we haven't met on other planets. You know I think it's important for us to um, to revere the gifts we've been given. Yeah. You know I think one of the things that you do so well and is so important in reaching children and particularly girls is the excitement around what science is. And I can <laughs> see it in your face and hear in your voice when you're talking about the work that you do, mm-hmm. how incredibly important and exciting it is. Um, is teaching <clears throat> going to be something that, you know, I mean, you have a lot on your plate, but is that <laughs> something you think you want to do more of, yeah, uh, especially with young people? Yeah, I mean, I, I love reaching, you know, the democratization of science, um, the, the, the fact that you can take so many classes online or um, com- the community biology laboratory movement in the past decade has also been something that I've been just really excited to kind of mostly participate from on the sidelines. Um, you know, in my own, I've always, I've been an adjunct professor now since 2000 seven. Um, So, you know, I was pretty young when I started out doing that. um, But almost every semester I've taught at least part of one class. And and, um, a class that I'm really proud to participate in at MIT right now is part of their community bio initiative called How to Grow Almost Anything, um, which is uh, all about teaching biotechnology to people who usually don't have a biotechnology background. Um, We've opened the class up to online students throughout the world in in different years. Sometimes we have to be a little bit more closed. Um, The pandemic was certainly a wrench thrown into our plans. Um, but it's uh, but teaching in the right proportion for me is something that I find really life affirming. Um, I find it very inspiring in my own work. It forces me to think about and contextualize my work in in new ways as the world moves and relevance shifts. <laughs> so you know, I think um, I find it to be incredibly inspiring. I I don't I think when it's the right proportion, it can be inspiring. Um, and, and and then vice versa, I think what I really bring to my teaching is the fact that I'm a practitioner. You know, I'm in the world, I'm doing this work in the real world, have real world problems. And and so I think my teaching benefits by me being in the real world and, and being in the real world benefits my teaching. So it, it, I like having both. And um, it's just about, you know, having a lot on your plate. I think about my daughter's plate. There's like little sections and then there's like the big section um, where the (laughs) carrots, you know, and um, and, um, I like a side dish of teaching and I want to always, always have that on my plate. Yeah, Yeah, I'd love that. Um, Do you have a... um, when, when you describe your upbringing um, and your life in general, you know, it seems idyllic and you're following the path that was 
you know, your dream and aspirations. On the days when things don't go the right way, do you have a mantra that you live by? I, yeah, I mean, it's so basic, but I just, I try and go general. You know, I think, okay, there's some specifics here that I'm not happy with. What is going right right now? And zoom out and try and think, what, what, what statements can I make about this situation that are true and not disingenuous and also positive? And that usually kind of forms a way in um, to shift the mood, you know, well, okay, you know, even my, my, my colleague and I decided we want to start every meeting with what's going right today, you know, and um, because this is a field, you know, when you take on a challenge, like what we have taken on, you know, there, what makes it fun also makes it a potential nightmare because, you know, you're doing something that hasn't been done before. You're making a medicine that's made out of patients' own bodies. So you are the medicine. Like the FDA yes. ha, um, is not built to regulate um, therapies like ours and because they're new. And, and, and so they're learning as we're learning. It's a, it's a, a situation that's um, full of challenges that are fun, but, but you can imagine there's lots of highs and lows because there's surprises. And in entrepreneurship, they say the highs are high and the lows are low and last longer. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't find a way to, you know, celebrate as you go along, um, you know, then it's, it's not, that's not a fun journey. You know, yeah, and right. um, and 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 every every year we look back and there's progress. And um, so yeah, I think that mantra for me is just kind of zoom out until the bigger picture comes into focus, and then see what's going right about that. Yeah. And um, and the other thing is is that I and I don't know if maybe I'm tempting fate by saying this out loud, but when there's I have found that when there's a crisis, like the kind of crisis, you know, um, or, or the, the rug gets pulled out from under you the way that it, it did with COVID, that there's oftentimes real opportunities in there to um, to reevaluate what you're doing and to pivot. And and it's it can be a real gift to um, to have a situation, a surprising situation that seems like a threat because it, it's often a good opportunity to just assess where you're at and, and, and see if all of the activities you're doing make sense to continue doing and if any, you know, and, and things, you know, how to add and subtract to whatever you're doing and pivot. Yeah. I like to say wet rather than pivot. So there you go. Oh, that's nice. I like that. That's a great word. <laughs> yeah. Like when life gives you rain, you know, you just got to learn to dance in the rain. There you go. There you go. Um, we're going to go into our last break and I'll be back with Nina Tandon, CEO and co-founder of EpiBone. We'll be right back. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. Don't you feel better when you're in control? I think part of having better mental health is learning or understanding how to be more in control. Well, all of your control comes from your thinking. Managing what your brain thinks, understanding why you think something, and seeing better results when you manage your thoughts all create better mental health. We feel bad because of how we think about the situation. We feel powerless when we think a certain way, when we blame the things happening to us or blame the things that are going on around us. But what we think is optional, thoughts are choices. 
So flip the switch from feeling crappy, feeling like you're in a mental health crisis, feeling like you're a victim of circumstance by flipping how you think. First, understand why you're thinking the way you do or why you feel the way you do. I'm not denying that you don't have the right to think or feel that way. But what I want to offer you is this notion of having more control over what you think so you can feel better. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm with Nina Tandon, the CEO and co-founder of EpiBone. And we only have a few minutes to wrap it up, Nina. Um, And I've so much enjoyed this conversation. I wonder if you might want to share any milestones that you've had as a company, you know, that you're proud, excited about, and anything that you're currently working on. Well, I, it's, that's pretty easy. We implanted our very first human patient this summer. Um, someone that I'm, I'm so honored our team has had the chance to, to help treat uh, someone who'd suffered a traumatic injury to the head. And um, we were able to produce uh, multiple bones to reconstruct his jaw wow. without, without them having to cut those bones out of other parts of his body, which is how wow. they how that happens now. So I think um, that's a the culmination of seven years of academic work and at least double that in the, uh, it, sorry, as a company, and then at least double that prior to that at the, at the in the academic setting. So it's a big, big milestone for us. Yeah. Did, I hope you celebrated that as yeah. you stated earlier about, right, take a moment to celebrate those milestones yeah. rather than look to the yeah. next. Is, yeah. is Do you have a patent on on what you're oh, doing yeah. or, okay. Oh yeah, so, patents. I mean, it's uh, IP and patenting is a really important part of, of certainly biomedical research and in other fields like in software, it's, it's so it, 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 it differs by different fields, but for us, it is very important to patent. Yeah. And, and tell me, how big is your company? How many are you, you know, in charge of? How we, many are on your team? team? We're a small team. We're 20 mm-hmm. people strong. And, um, and small teams can do quite a lot in biomedical research. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're planning to grow the team quite a bit, but um, we're, gonna, we're not going to be, you know, 500 people next year. You know, we're, we're a lean team, tight-knit team. Um, everyone's been handpicked and uh, is a real rock star in their own right. I adore our team. Yeah, I, I want to just end with, you know, you've been getting a lot of exposure, recognition, I'll say. And I I always ask this question, what do you think it is about you, Nina, that has allowed you to achieve such a high level of success as a woman, you know, in spite of life's challenges? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I do. Do I feel like I'm, you know, some Greek goddess like floating in on a shell? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't feel. Is it a belief? Do you think it's just a belief? I mean, I don't know. I. I mean, if I have a gift, you know, it might be that I'm. I sort of haven't forgotten the struggle of how to learn. Um, you know, people oftentimes when they learn something, it's hard to teach because we almost don't remember the self we were before we learned that thing. And and I think for me, I've always just loved breaking things down and and I haven't forgotten how to learn like maybe because I'm not as smart as other people I just I don't you know it's for me it's um I feel like that's my gift is being a bridge 
um, a, a translator because I'm like smart enough to understand the topic, but also maybe empathetic enough to understand what it's like to not get it. And, mm. um, and so I think, you know, my work is one that's on the boundary between business and science, between entrepreneurship and the clinic. And, um, and I think that makes me a good kind of translator, almost like a diplomat. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. And um, I think we're going to have to have you come back one day and we'll talk about spirituality versus, you know, the physical. And, and I'd love to see what where your insights are, you know, down the road. <laughs> I'll continue to meditate on that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. A true honor. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my conversation with Tina Brown, the CEO of the Overton Youth Center in South Florida. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.